Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Glory to Jesus Christ, Mikey. Glory to Jesus Christ. Are we on? We are. All right, yeah. Welcome to Catholic Stuff. Yeah, thanks for listening. So you are, you're one of the first four founders of the Companions of Denver. I am. So I, I totally thought that you guys from day one were all wearing Birkenstocks, were all athletes, and all drank bourbon. But really, you're not drinking the bourbon the, right now. So the I'm culture? Kind of, I'm kind of scandalized. No, you know what, though? I don't know. I switched to beer. Okay. I like beer, right. and I miss beer. And over in Italy, we have wine and then these whatever. Oh, bourbon. I see. Yeah. And I like whiskey, but... Right. I don't You've know. Been in Rome. I don't, you don't have good microbrews. Here's what you got. Here's what you got to know about me. Okay. I don't like having things. So Birkenstocks. I might have worn them at one point. <laughs> right. I don't wear Birkenstocks. Right. I don't do anything. <laughs> I got flip flops right now. They're right. camouflage. Right. I got. Uh, I got a beer in hand. You know. Yeah. I just don't like getting pinned you, you, down. You I like it to up mix so it that up. People can't identify you. Yeah. Well, it's not about them i don't think it's just i'm a restless person yeah and i like something new i'm generally the same way except i do get the exact same thing at jelly for breakfast every morning yeah you know you get the you get the jelly yeah so i'm like a creature of habit in some ways i like adventure and change but it's often to my detriment so (laughs) like i come back and i'm punk you know i'm rebellious so i come back for the summer i need to get a phone yeah, right. that's just necessary. I'd, <laughs> that, I'd rather not. Phone. I'd what rather not. <laughs> and then I get this dumb flip phone uh, at the grocery <sighs> store and like a prepaid plan. It's actually very economical and it fits my you know style. But yeah. the flip phone is terrible. Right. You know everybody's rocking these smartphones, yeah. and I can't get good messages. You know when yeah. people s- s- text the emojis. Then they just show up as little boxes on this thing. I can't even read them. I don't know. I have to interpret boxes. They could mean anything. Yeah. And then like the pictures come in fuzzy. It's just not. You can't check your email. But I can talk to people and I can kind of recognize their voices. Yeah. And then I can text a little bit. Well, it's like I think with your phone. I don't know. When we send a group text, and you respond to the group text. I can't think if it comes, does it come to my phone as part of the group text? Because some people with flip phones, if I send out a group text, if someone responds to the group text, it just comes to all of us individually as a whole separate text message. And it totally messes with those of us with smartphones because we want to kind of follow the conversation. But if someone doesn't have a smartphone, it just, in my experience, I could be wrong, but it just comes back as a whole separate text message from only that person. Um, And it's really hard to follow the conversation. So, And it, it also looks like very personal. Like I don't. I don't want to respond to everybody publicly. Right. I right. just need to talk to you. Yes. But you know, exactly. Exactly. It's it, not it, like it actually that, that important. Or yeah. Well, that's why we do, you have an iPad. So we, we do Google Hangouts among companions to like do inter-companion chat or yeah. intra-companion chat. So, so there's very much a, you, you have the iPod for those things. So yeah. So and I, then I can do. It looks like you're taking a picture of me right now. I'm not. Okay. I'm just <laughs> trying to clear these things. This thing okay. vibrates every three seconds if oh. it has a message in the inbox oh waiting. i see i see so i, I like the <laughs> i like the group chat because i can post a picture or I, I still haven't figured out memes my memes don't like move <laughs> oh no, you're talking about gifs 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 my yeah. gifs don't move okay they just sit there and yeah. then it doesn't make any sense 
And are these ones you're getting on your phone or on the iPad? No, on the iPad. And it doesn't move when you before you send it. When I you don't know how it? to do them. Okay, <laughs> I just do them wrong. Every you you, you got to get like a, you got to get an app. I I my my new friends are all about the gifs and things like that and sending. Oh, they're so And if you have fun. a smartphone, it is it is, and you can you can respond with that. But um, what is it? Uh, anyway, there's all these apps you can get free ones from. All right, that I use. You'll have to show me later. Yeah. All right, I'll do that. I I got it all wound up. I actually got my favorite ones that I send over and over again to people are there like summertime gifs or oh yeah i mean you you can go on these apps and, and then it has like kind of the most popular ones of the day and the ones they suggest and things okay. like that so it's, it's i'm all... trying to figure out what's cool for the summer and i still don't know like i've listened to what do i got i've been driving around and i forgot about this because i don't drive in in italy and the, i'm playing like the top 40 and country music and everything and i think i've settled on um it ain't me by Selena Gomez, okay. <laughs> and Appalachian Spring by Aaron Copeland. Okay, that's a classic. Very piece. different genres, but and I'm sure there'll be more for the summer. Yeah. But yeah, I got that's a guilty pleasure. Mind that it ain't it ain't me song. That's it's like great. That oh yeah, it is, it is. it's just it's just like a dance thing. Yeah, I was just I was playing my my. But I, she says she's got a line about whiskey that I don't I don't know what it whiskey is. Whiskey mead or whiskey Wh whiskey need. need. Whiskey, oh, whiskey, knees. whiskey knees, like the okay. on your leg knees, or whiskey mead. That's what I was thinking. I today. hear whiskey mead, but I don't think I don't think mead's considered a whiskey though. So I don't. No. I just. Oh, I, I obviously really do not words. understand the lyric. <laughs> so we were in the pool earlier, and Father Nathan Goble sang an entire Tupac song along with the music, and it was oh, hilarious. Yes. So Goble's like floating in his chair in the water, just totally chill, beer beer in the cup holder, laying back with his his like mullet hanging in the water oh, wet and so it's like halfway down his back <laughs> summertime gobel and he's sitting there singing along with his tupac song i look over at nepple and nepple's like if i had half the memory that yeah. man did it jukebox. would sell me so he is i can't even thesis. get whiskey mead right <laughs> that's what i was like i don't even i'll say whiskey mead and just not really care what it really is but i think that song's all about pretty much not being an enabler for not being in a relationship with someone who's an alcoholic or an, an addiction and being an enabler for them. So oh. in other words, you, you're, you're too demanding because of your addiction. You're being selfish. You're manipulating me. And so someone needs to help you get through life, but it's not going to be. And I'm not which, doing I it. I actually, I like that, that cool, message. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a good message. <sighs> okay, so my topic now, um, and I'm on 39% on my laptop, so... I was going to plug this in before and I forgot. So here we go. We're going to we're going to test and see if this will last. This is long. like the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> when Father John and I used to record, it was always like wondering if it's going to cut out and destroy the recording <laughs> yep. and every time. Is this going to even work or not? Goble and I had one where we thought we lost it. It was like one of the best recordings we ever did oh. and we thought I lost it. And I I had never seen Goble look so despairing. Oh no. And then when we found it, he like fell down on his knees oh, and yes. started praising our Lord like charismatically. It's like that lady in the gospel who finds a coin and Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Calls all of her friends, party. has a big party. Yeah, that was it was hilarious to watch. All right. So um so I'm going to start this topic with with a story. Um, I actually preach it in a homily, so I apologize to my own parishioners who are listening. You heard it last week, um, but I, I I had a kind of a very powerful moment um, this past week. So I was um, I've shared the story before about when I was first ordained. I've been a priest about six months. Um, I was finishing up my master's thesis, which I do not. If you guys are in seminary, finish up your master's degree before getting ordained, because I I finished up my thesis afterwards, and it's just. Especially, I was a pastor the day I was ordained. So, like, all of a sudden, I'm oh, I'm yeah. ordained. I'm a pastor. I'm trying to like learn how to be a priest and a pastor at the same time doing studies, and so I had to like 
I wanted to finish my thesis. So I said, you know what? I'm going to spend three days up in Fort Collins in my parents' basement, and I'm going to be working on this this thesis, yeah. finishing up. So Go I went in the cave. That's yeah. very Jerome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I went into the cave, and I just, with my ADD and my, my love of, of people and excitement and culture, it was really hard. So I spent pretty much three days just not loving anybody except myself. <laughs> I was writing this thesis. I was very unpriestly. I was just alone, solitude, yeah. eating by work, myself, work, doing work. it by myself, work, work, work. And so I, I was one night I was like, you know what? Forget this. I can't do this anymore. I need people. I need I need energy. So I went out to downtown Fort Collins. It was like a Friday night, very romantic. Everybody walking hands in hands. And I, I was just like, my celibacy was like, ah, oh, I just got oh, so no. this feeling of like utter loneliness. Oh, and that's after three days in the cave. Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, it was, And I didn't quite know why. So I went through all of this, like in the midst of my, my you know, near depression, near despair and loneliness, I, I thought, okay, what's going on here? Like I just started analyzing. I was sitting on a bench in downtown Fort Collins and I was just analyzing like what's going on here. And I realized I haven't loved anybody in three days. Of course I'm feeling lonely. Mm. Like, like love is... The, the the sacrifice of self for another love is self gifts john paul said so i need i need if i'm if i'm lacking love then i'm obviously lacking self gift i'm not letting other people love me and i'm not loving anybody else so i i did some i was like what am i going to do to love i just need to do some small act of love right now nice. and maybe that'll cure the feeling so i did i went to a mcdonald's this sounds ridiculous i bought like 25 dollars worth of gift certificates every cent i had in my wallet and i i got like these little one dollar mcdonald's gift cards so you can buy like an ice cream cone with yeah and I started walking around just handing it to people like, hey, me to you, no need for thanks, no, but just go, go go buy an ice cream on me or whatever you can. Oh, nice. And it was just like, like it, it was kind of pathetic. Well, thank you, but it was kind of pathetic, but it was all I could do at the time because I needed like this immediate, I needed to do something immediately to love people. And that's all I could think of doing. So, but it worked. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I sat there after it was like, and I was, I felt community again, communion again, sacrifice again, self-gift again. And all of a sudden it was just this very visceral like breath out. I was like, okay, I'm good. Good. Wow, I'm a priest yeah. again. I've loved. And so I had, why didn't a... you tell me this like years ago? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this could be helpful started, to all celibates. Yeah. Celibate <laughs> yeah. But it, it, but it was, it was so real. And I had a very similar experience the other day. Um, I had done something really very father, Michael, very me, but stupid. And I, I hurt people by my mm -hmm. action. Um, it was pretty much just procrastination that, that, that then, not getting a project done that then other people had to step up and and it, it i was a burden on them i impacted their life in a negative way and i felt really really bad about mm -hmm. it so um i spent this was last tuesday i spent the entire day trying to make up for my mistake it just in in small ways but i i exhausted myself doing this and i was so ashamed of this that i, I went the the rest of the day and I finally i had to hear confessions up at camp Fortiwa. so i get in my car at like 5.15 p.m. to rush up there to hear confessions. And as I'm driving up to the to Boulder, to the mountains, I realize I haven't eaten anything all day. Like I woke up, got the email, realizing what I had done, worked my behind off the whole day yeah, yeah, yeah. and just didn't eat. And so I'm driving up there, I'm starting to feel like faint. And not not forgetting to eat is kind of typical for me. Unfortunately, it's just my mind doesn't work that way. And when you live alone, sometimes that happens, of course. So yeah. I, I, I'm feeling faint, I get in my car, I drive up. And so I thought, Oh my gosh, I need to get something in my body. So I pull over and I I was like a bit distracted by the hunger, so my my kind of um self 
what do you call it? You know, I was just so critical of self. I was beating myself up. I was calling myself all kinds of names for making this mistake and still not fixing it. And, you know, there's that, that border between guilt and shame. Guilt is a good thing. It, it, it calls us on the change. Yeah. Shame is always evil. And I was, I was definitely kind of dipping into shame. Like okay. I'm a horrible, horrible priest, horrible person. self-accusation. Exactly. Yeah. Self-accusation. That was not good. And so I get hungry. I pull over to a, to a gas station. I grab a, an energy bar, get back in my car start driving and driving in the car alone i'm eating this energy bar and i go i literally say out loud in my car by myself just be patient body protein's coming like 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 sustenance is on its way you'll feel better in in a few in a few minutes and sure enough i start feeling better and i was like mm. i love thank you lord for food thank you thank for you. gas stations protein bar exactly thank you protein bar so i keep on driving and then all of a sudden the the this this very this self condemnation starts keeping back in again and so i thought it's kind of similar to my loneliness in uh, years ago in the story. I said, "What what is going on here? Like, what is this debilitating, really debilitating shame I'm feeling?" Mm. And I thought, "Okay, what do you do? I, I want it to be guilt, not shame. What do you do when you're guilty of something? Like, I tried my best during the day. I didn't fix the problem. I tried to fix it, but I didn't. I didn't have enough time. I did something wrong, explicitly wrong. My fault. Yeah. No excuses. And you knew it." I knew it. Exactly. Yeah. What do you do in that moment? And I wanted something to be as fast acting as the protein bar was for my hunger, <laughs> as the buying the gift cards were for my loneliness. Yeah. I needed something to be to be fast acting and quick. So I thought, well, well, what do Christians do if you've done something wrong? And I thought penance, mm. right? Metanoia. Met metanoia in the Greek, um, it, it, it means kind of a um, – I actually wrote it down here. I'm not going to go from memory. Um, it's this combination of like afterwards, like in time. And then so it involves two aspects of time, um, some sort of afterwards and then also a sense of change, of difference. So mm -hmm. metanoia means in a sense – it means to think differently after. Mm -hmm. So a change that happens after something. So I do something wrong and I think differently. I act differently. I perceive differently after I've done that thing. So in a sense, it involves guilt and shame. It involves regret. It involves I did something wrong and how do I behave after it? That is metanoia if it's done in a good way. In other words, conversion. This yeah. is conversion. And so in the moment, I I, I – I was saying, I've done something wrong. I need to change. In this moment, what do I do? And I, I thought, penance. So what do you do when you're driving up to hear confessions for a bunch of middle schoolers, driving in the car, what kind of penance can you do? Penance, of course, the ascetical life, we call it, is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So mm -hmm. the first thing that came to mind was, how do I fast? Well, I have, I love listening to music or to NPR or to 1031, the, the comedy station in the car. I love it. So I thought, well, okay, I've done something wrong. I'm going to do penance for it. So I'm going to make a sacrifice. And so I turned off the radio. And as I'm sitting there in silence, driving up to, to Boulder, I say out loud, don't worry, soul, penance is coming. Oh, Like, you know. My body felt better after getting protein, after getting sustenance. Yeah. Like my soul is going to feel better after I do some penance. And that could be scary too because if you're dealing with these like thoughts of accusation, then this music, comedy, whatever it is that you're listening to can be kind of an escape. Exactly. Or at least it's a distraction. Like present itself as a distraction. Yeah, exactly. Yep. From the – um, whatever it is going on in your head. Yeah. And so if you turn it off, it's like, oh, yeah. am I going to be alone with my thoughts? Can I do yeah. that? 
Yeah, that, that, that's a horrible thought. And actually, that thank you for saying that because I hadn't thought of that. I, I was probably trying to use these things as some sort of a distraction from mm. these very, you know, kind of self-harming thoughts. Um, anyway, and you would think that is, is penance... Uh, it's a, it was so small. Like, really, I just turned it off. Like, like I want to listen to it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do it. I want to listen to it. I'm going to deny myself self denial for the sake of the person that I hurt. So I call the person to mind. I say, I, I don't want to hurt them anymore. I don't want to be burdened to them. How can I help them? Can I actually help them by doing some sort of penance? And I turn it off. I say once again. Don't worry, soul. Penis is coming. Kind of selfish, but still, I wanted to do this for somebody else, though. And it was as fast acting mm. as the protein was. It was as fast acting as the, as the kind of the immediate love was when I was only. And I all of a sudden, like, I felt, and this is total consolation. This is just Jesus spoon feeding me grace, but I totally felt mercy wow. and forgiveness and peace. And I, I also felt that somehow my sacrifice, as small as it was, was tapping into the 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 bloodline of the body of Christ. You know, the body of Christ, the, the the blood pumping through the body of Christ, if you will, allows one member of the body to help the other member. Mm. You know, I ate food, it went into my into my stomach and that helped my brain not feel as faint anymore. You know, when I can make some sort of small sacrifice, in other words, when I make the self-denial of turn the radio off, I'm saying I'm acknowledging that I'm one member of the body of Christ along with this person that I hurt. I am a member of the body of Christ along with them. And so if I do something saying my member, like the, 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 the part that I am in the body of Christ, the part that I am is no more important than theirs is. Mm. So when my, my normal course of action, especially my procrastination, was selfish. It was saying, I, I want to procrastinate. I want to put this off because I think I have more important things to do than what's going to be helpful for them. That was a very selfish thing to do. Therefore, it was a sin. Therefore, it affected the entire body of Christ negatively. And when I got this email from this person explaining how I had hurt them, I all of a sudden realized the, what I had done. So how do I then try to help them? And okay, I, I can apologize. I can put the labor effort into all good things. But if we truly are one body of Christ, then my self-denial Put, in other words, putting myself back in the proper place. I'm denying myself something so I don't turn to selfishness. I'm denying myself luxuries in in an acknowledgement of I'm I'm one member of the body of Christ, all completely equal. Then I fully believe that I felt God's mercy and forgiveness, not because of my personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which is true, but because a real good had been done for the yeah. person that I hurt. You want to make up for things. I mean, anytime we hurt somebody, anytime we do something wrong, it's like you you can't make up for that. You can right? apologize. You can um, settle things, reconcile with people. But you still feel like, man, I can never take that back, you right. know, that regret. Yeah. And you want to do something out of love for them um, because it always comes. I mean, we're most convicted where we really love. And um, and then we see that hurt and you say, I don't yeah. want to do this. And how can I make up for the? Yeah. And it, I, I like that you distinguish people get confused. Like, do I have to do these things if I don't do the penance um, or if I don't do things to make up it, like the actions, um, the then um, my my sins are not forgiven or something like that. And it's not quite like that. It's right. like you can be forgiven and still want to make up for something. So I, I was, it makes me think of this um, 
Camino that I was on. I was mm-hmm. on the uh, Camino of Santiago. We were walking. You have lots of time to think, to pray. Yeah. And I was kind of racked with uh, just an awareness, a guilt of um, having a particular sin. It was it was gossip in this case. I mean, there's plenty of sins in my life, but mm-hmm. uh, I kind of seeing how that affected people in various ways and realizing looking, um, just walking along, looking back in my life that I've, uh, committed this sin almost un, um, unaware in a lot of cases so many times. And so I was trying to, um, call to mind all the people that I might've hurt by, uh, by this sin. And then I was praying a prayer. I think I was praying a hail Mary every time that I could think of. And, and it was like, I can't, you, you can't go back and fix those things. And in fact, those people probably don't care. They don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, they're not dwelling on it, but what can I do to make up for this? Because God, I, I love these people and I love you and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody. So I was praying that prayer. And after a while I realized there's, there's going to be so many that I, I can't make up for. So yeah. I was trying to think of every instance and then hmm. pray a prayer. And I think this was like God's prompting and everything. It was a beautiful experience. But uh, I started praying Hail Mary and I just said, Lord, I'm going to keep praying this over and over until I've made up for those things, you know? And it was like, at a certain point, I realized I'm walking along. This has been hours. I keep praying and everything. And I don't think I'm ever going to make up for it. And at one (laughs) point, there was a very clear sense of um, the Lord kind of lifting that burden Mm. Yeah. And saying, um, I, you've made up for it. Yeah. And, um, there was such healing and peace and freedom in that moment. And knowing that not only like I was forgiven, I don't think, I mean, I had confessed and everything. I I was confident that I, that God had forgiven this, that yeah. he had forgotten, yeah. but I wanted to, um, uh, make up for it and to, to, to kind of feel uh, very clearly that I had done that was great yeah. and I love it. And I try to promote penance and like talk about penance as this kind of freeing work of love, these yeah. acts of charity. Um, people get nervous about admitting their sin or in recognizing that and saying, okay, I, I really did something that I regret and we just want to be done with it as soon as possible. So it's like, Oh, I'm going to go confess it and then I'm going to forget you know, forever. Right. And in the sacrament of confession, uh, we ask the penitent to do a penance and that makes up for it. So it's like things are taken care of, but it's still worth like living a life of penance. There, there was a time, a lot of the saints talk about just living penance regularly and they're not like super bad people, most of them, but there's something very healing to the body of Christ that happens when you kind of go out of your way to do these things. It's uh, the reality is, is that we can never make up for it. I mean, there's that old story about, you know, somebody going to the priest and confessing gossip. And, you know, the priest says, okay, you, you, you gossiped about somebody. So your penance is, is to take a feather pillow, go to the top of the Empire States building, dump out the feathers, all the feathers out of this pillow, and then go collect them all. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like, 
obviously you can't do that, right? And But he was comparing that to gossip. Once you start gossip, then somebody else spreads it, somebody else spreads it. We can never make up for these things. Any sin we do, we cannot make up for. It's impossible. So what happens in in the penance is that we are, in a sense, improving ourselves. So most of the time when I give a penance, it's very practical. It's like choose prayerfully choose briefly three people you hurt by your sin and pray one our father for each of them so it's mm-hmm. very intentional about the actual people you hurt but the the penance is is our way of since we are human god says it's very human to want to try to make up for what we've done try to fix what we've done but it's impossible to do that so yeah. you know when when i sin you know, some people say, well, why can't you just go to God? And I, I think I've said this before in the podcast, but, you know, if I sin, why can't I just go to God? Why do I need to go to a priest? Because you hurt that priest. Mm. Every time we sin, we hurt everybody else within the body of Christ. And that priest is a member of the body of Christ, as is every other baptized Christian. So that priest represents God, of course. But he also represents himself and he represents every other person. Yeah. So when you when you go to confession, you are saying, I've affected the entire body of Christ. Even if I've just hurt myself, I've still – or hurt Christ. I've still affected the entire body of Christ that is the church. And so my penance is a very human response. Jesus is saying, since you're human, you want to try to fix this. So I'm going to give you a penance to try to fix it. And it does. The penance does help fix it, but the penance also should be oriented towards changing my attitude about what it is. Like if I could put work into fixing what I did, it's going to change my attitude about it. It's going to make me not want to do it again. And it's also going to help me in my humanness, in my humanity to actually labor and serve and use my person to try to fix what it is. Yeah. And just very naturally, it's going to make you more aware of this. Mm-hmm. So that next time you're tempted to it, right. you say, oh, I did all that work, yeah. you know, and I, I'm like addressing this. I'm trying to work on something very intentionally. Yeah. I have a, a, a new acquaintance becoming a friend who uh, who is too, way too young and obviously anybody's way too young, but she she's on her second DWI. And mm-hmm. so, you know, she's probably going to do jail time. But before she goes in for her sentencing, she's trying to get a bunch of community service hours done and trying to go to AA meetings and things like that to kind of show them, look, I'm putting real work into this. But it's such a burden to her, which is good. (laughs) You know, it's like, yes, and she knows it. Yes, this should be a burden. So I'm directing her community service. And since I love this person, I'm tempted to like say, well, we're going to give you easy stuff to do Mm. because I, I, I want to love you. I want you to feel good. But it's like, no. You know, like like when we put real effort into it and the next time she's tempted to drink and drive, it's going to be like, that was a lot. I spent time in jail. I had to do yeah. all this community service time. I had to go all these AA classes. It's like, is this really worth it for this? You know, and yeah. that that's just a very human thing. Sometimes Christians tend to just spiritualize everything. It's all in my head. 
my my invisible soul and intellect communicates with Jesus, and it inf- I apologize for what I've done, and my faith is just this ascent to the fact that he's Jesus Christ. It leaves out the whole fact that we're human. We have a will. We have a body. We have all these very physical things, and all these aspects are involved in faith. Faith is our entire person, our entire person, physical and spiritual, moving towards Christ and, and bonding with him in theosis, in unity with him. And so penances, whether it's turning off the radio in the car or saying three our fathers after a confession, they're, they're very, very human in their acknowledging are that we are embodied souls, that we, we do need to put effort into um, change, conversion, and then actually fixing the problem we've done. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's even an expression of hope. Yeah. I'm not going to work to something or, or like work for something that I don't think is actually going to change. If I'm right. totally despairing right. and I say, my faults are going to live with me forever. That's I true. can't do anything different. This is who I am. And uh, yeah, you just kind of can get into the place where you say, I can't work at something. Why put the effort in when I know I'm going to fail? Right. But just the act itself is an act of hope. It says, yeah. I believe that God can help me with this, and I believe that I can overcome something, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. I like that. Thank you. I had never thought of it that way because it is it is true. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why I was procrastinating on this project is because I honestly had so much on my plate that I was like, I don't know where to start, and I don't see me really accomplishing anything in in this day like i i have an hour between appointments yeah, that that's i that's, can't get anything done no, nothing's it's, it's, gonna happen it's not even gonna touch it it's not even not even scratch the surface so i i kept on putting it off thinking well when i have a, a more open day to do it mm-hmm. or something like that and and it was just it, there, there was no hope there was no hope to actually get this done until i had to spend an entire day pretty much canceling every appointment except that it was just you know, Kat Schultz asked me to go up and hear confessions and I love her so much that I was like, I'm going to do it for her. Like I would cancel on many people, but I'm going to do it for her. So I had to keep that. And that's when I was like, just, I didn't get enough done. And so, mm-hmm. um, there, there, there was, there was definitely, uh, yeah, I like the, thank you. It's that we, we don't act on something if we're in despair because we don't think it's actually going to accomplish anything. If we're laboring for something, it's because we have hope that this is actually going to mean something. This is going to have significance and something's going to actually get done. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, the, uh, there's something, the, the, the freedom I felt, the, the mercy and the forgiveness I actually felt was something that I was incredibly grateful to our Lord for because so many times we humans, again, being human, need to feel these things. It's like, you know, uh, Feast of St. Thomas, right? So, you know, Thomas says, um, you know, Jesus says to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Yeah. You know, we, we always want to see. We always seem to have to see. And it was such a visceral experience that I was like, I, I'm one, I like confession. You know, I would go to confession every day um, just because I had such a good experience of it growing up. I know many people don't want to go to confession because they've had bad experiences. I've never, as a child, I never had a bad experience. As a teenager, I never had a bad experience. My first bad experience was as an adult not so bad. You know, I've already kind of had this favorable right. understanding of confession. Um, but there's like, I wish I could share this experience with people that, that don't want to go to confession. Like mm. if like God just let me feel what really happens, the, the overflowing mercy and forgiveness that comes from 
being a human and speaking my sins out loud and another human being who stands in the place of Christ himself and every other human being hears my sins with his physical ears and then says with his physical mouth that I hear with my physical ears, you are forgiven. It's mm. just so human to do that with another human being there. And I, I want people that I wish I, I pray that Christ gives the same gift he gave to me to other people as well, that they can feel how freeing it is to feel this mercy and forgiveness within the body of Christ. Um, someone was very heartened by this, so I'll, I'll share a quick story. Like I have, I think I'm on like 11 or 12 nieces and nephews now, so nice. it, it's just, it's great having so many nieces and nephews. And I, it's, I like, I'm honored to be a priest in the family, to, to allow them to have access to the gifts that a priest can offer. And so my little niece, you know, she's what, six, seven years old now. Is this she, the one who was on the podcast? No, this is, okay. this is a, a younger one. This is Annie. I'll have her on the podcast. Annie, Annie will be brilliant on it, but she's so giggly right now. Oh, no. Like Shaylee was, Shaylee was absolutely wonderful and still kind of giggly. Annie, oh my gosh. So anyway, Annie, if you're listening, I'll have you on <laughs> someday. But Annie is so beautiful because she loves confession mm. at, at, at her young age. And in the Byzantine church, since you receive baptism, confirmation, Eucharist as an infant, you go to confession whenever you're ready. So I've heard the confession of three-year-olds before, you know, wow. it's mm. that they just, they know what it is. They, they understand the sacrament and they know that they've done something wrong. They're nowhere near the age of reason, according to the definition of seven, but they'll still come in and knowing what's going on. And so Annie, like she thinks, because her experience of confession is going up to your uncle who you know loves you and who you love and saying, can I go to confession? And we go off to the other side of the room and she sits on my lap and lays her head on my chest and says, you know, I confess mm. to Almighty God, one of the Holy Trinity, the Blessed Virgin Mary, to all the saints and to you, Father, my sins, which is how Byzantine begins confession. Okay. And it's just so intimate and it's so beautiful to have that other human being that you know loves you and you love them mm. and knowing they're not going to judge you, knowing that they want you to be healed. But also since she's family, she knows I'm a sinner too. It's like not intimidating. It's like, we're both in this together. You've mm -hmm. sinned. I've sinned. God gave you the grace of being the human being that I, that hears my sins and then speaks for him saying you're forgiven. And in, in the intimacy of that relationship, it, it reveals something about God's love for her and her love for God. And really the, the restful, peaceful, mercy filled, um, experience that confession mm -hmm. should be. And I think there's something just mature about, uh, about a challenge, a challenge from Christianity that is to come to a place in your life where you can say, I tend toward these failures. I commit yeah. these sins and I'm loved by God. And I, can love myself. I can love other people. I'm not paralyzed by my sin. I'm not afraid by the sin in my life. I go and confess those things. I recognize the remorse that I feel and contrition is a regular part of my life because yeah. I make mistakes. People mess up. I mess up. And I think our temptation is like, I'm going to become perfect. I need to become perfect yeah. or I need to ignore anything I do wrong other people do things wrong. I don't do things, you know, yeah. but the, the mature person can say, I've, 
uh, I've made mistakes. I do make mistakes. I make mistakes regularly. And I am forgiven by God. And not only by God, but other people, by the church, by yeah. the body of Christ, by this other human being telling me that God forgives you and I forgive you. Yeah. There's, I was sharing another homily recently about, um, you know, we hear over and over and over again the scriptures, only God can forgive. And, you know, there's something about, something in us Christians, since we are in the body of Christ, that we want to do God's work. Like we can feel that, you know, um, I was reflecting upon the passage um, where Peter says to Jesus, um, you know, Jesus, who do they say that I am? Oh, you're Jeremiah, you're Elijah, one of the prophets. And, and Jesus, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks for the rest and he says, you are the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, no mere man revealed this to you, but rather my father in heaven. It's like, mm. imagine God saying what you just said was not from you, was not something you learned. You were just a prophetess. You were just a prophet. You were just a mouthpiece of God. God spoke through you. Mm. And that's what Jesus said to Peter. And what an honor to know that I just spoke in Christ, by Christ, for Christ. And so how do we have that experience as Christians? And one of the ways that we do that is forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness is not a human thing. Only God can forgive. So when we forgive, we're doing a divine act. We, we are act, we are doing something Christ-like, God-like. We're acting in Christ. And so, of course, it's easier to forgive some things than others. So my, my, my advice to myself and to others was part of our nightly ritual, if we truly understood the power of what I meant to forgive— um, you know, speaking of penance, you know, we, we are the recipients of forgiveness in that case. But mm. if we really knew what it's like to forgive, we would spend part of every evening saying, I'm going to forgive a bunch of people right now because it's I am participating in the life of God when I do that. So I might go through the list. Okay, Lord, I want to forgive some people. So who, how was I hurt today? Mm. Uh, somebody cut me off. Oh, that's right. Lord, I forgive that person for cutting me off. This person excluded me from an event. You know, okay, Lord, I forgive that person for excluding me from an event. Like, just the smallest things. This person rolled their eyes at me. I forgive them for rolling their eyes at me. Like, we should desire to forgive. And in order to have the ability to tap into Christ's grace to forgive the bigger things, we can practice every night by just going through our day kind of an examination of conscience and saying mm. all the little things that the way that people hurt me, I'm going to forgive them intentionally. Just I'm going to pray one our father for them, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, whatever the form of that forgiveness takes. Mm. But I'm going to intentionally say I'm no longer going to let the hurt done to me affect my life or affect their life. And if I can do it very well in the small ways, I'll get better about doing it in the bigger ways, which will actually probably help me then forgive, um, excuse me, to feel the forgiveness of God after I do penance like I was just miraculously able to do on that drive. Oh, I like it a lot. Yeah. We do a, a nightly examination of conscience, but it's more like, for me, it's more like uh, thinking of the graces of the day um, asking forgiveness for my own faults, but I haven't really practiced this forgiveness. Yeah. Sometimes there's a, a night prayer that we pray that comes from, I think, a Pauline epistle that is, um, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Yeah. And I, I see this kind of like working in that direction. 
You know, yeah. call to mind those things that subconsciously just get into us and then make us frustrated or something. Yeah. And you just forgive, forgive the little things along the way. And then there's more peace. Huh? And something you just made me think of, you know, we priests do this ourselves, but we also hear it all the time in spiritual direction or in confession. That's that if, if we, if we truly believe that we're not going to let you know, the sunset on our, on our wrath, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to forgive others. And if we actually put that into practice every night saying, I'm not going to go to sleep angry as someone, I'm going to, I'm going to do this ritual of forgiveness, whatever that looks like our father or whatever it might be. Um, we know that oftentimes falling asleep is the time when we are the most angry at ourselves. I mean, there's something mm. about the body getting weaker as we're about to fall asleep, that the spirit gets weaker as well. And we, we tend to condemn ourselves mm. very strongly. We, in a sense, have a wrath at ourselves. And if we get in the habit of forgiving others in those moments, again, start small, baby steps, as with everything in the spiritual life. If we can start to make sure that we're forgiving even the people we don't know, people that cut us off, like I said, et cetera. If we can start to do that, we might actually be able to say, I'm not going to let my own, the wrath at myself go you know continue through the night either i'm not gonna let the sun set on, on on that wrath um yeah that's interesting because oftentimes not listen to the voice of the accuser you know right the book of revelation talks about the devil as an accuser and we get this sort of self-condemnation part of it is just like our own voice i think the voice in our head or whatever but i think there's also a lot of temptation that comes from just evil spirits yeah say hey look you're bad yeah. you're worthless you're whatever you made these mistakes throughout the day and i think if we can do that work of forgiveness and forgive ourselves there's like a real potential for uh kind of resting in hope yeah with that little death of sleep that we say you know tomorrow's another day yeah and i think there is a necessity again distinguish between shame and guilt like there's a time if we spend part of the day with our examination conscious identifying what we truly are guilty of, you know, if we can truly identify tomorrow, I am going to do better at this. Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to let it debilitate me. I'm not going to let it keep me up. I'm not going to let it turn to shame, but I, I can actually identify, you know, we're, we as a society, I think are unable to distinguish between what we're truly guilty of that we can and should change to make our life and others life better and then the shame that is just debilitating and so as a society we've kind of decided that there is no sin there is no guilt like just if, if you acknowledge there's no sin and guilt then you won't feel bad and and feeling is all we care about so mm. i think that there is a understanding of peace and i, I think the virtue here would be wisdom lord give me the wisdom to identify what I actually did wrong today that I should change and be better at tomorrow. But then as soon as I've kind of established what those things are, I should be able to go to bed peaceful without any self-condemnation and, and, and things, you know, again, things that would be debilitating to my growth or to others' growth. Um, but I, I guess I'm just, I'm, I, we don't want to every night say, okay, I'm to the point where I didn't do anything wrong today and now I can finally go to sleep because I've kind of just whitewashed everything. Yeah. No, that's not good either. Right, happy but ending. Exactly. You know, and I, I can acknowledge what I did wrong and I can have a hope. You mentioned hope earlier. Mm -hmm. I can have a hope that you know tomorrow's a better day. 
Jesus doesn't want to save me in 21 or 36 or 55 years, however old I am. It's not, I don't have to be perfect then. You know, God gave me my entire life to be perfect. So mm. I can say tomorrow, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to fix the things I did wrong with God's grace and with my effort, and I'm going to do better. And I have time to do that because I'm not dead yet. <laughs> An obvious sign that there's still time to be a better person and to grow in perfection and holiness. Mm. Yeah. Well, take up... The Take up the gift of penance, the invitation yeah. to penance, and know that it can be uh, a real joy, a real source of Absolutely. peace and joy. Yeah. And, and it, I think even if you don't have the the gift, I almost said the condescending gift because it feels like I just wasn't strong enough to, to understand the beauty of penance without feeling it. But there's, you know, even if you don't feel it, it's there. I mean, we mm -hmm. should have true joy because of the gift of penance, of being able to affect other members of the body of Christ by our own self-denial that affects Christ and everybody within his body, the church. Cool. All right, that's I like all that I have. Topic, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I got to keep on thinking about a couple of things you said. So thanks for contributing. All right. Um, I, I have one, uh, shout out and I, this, this came to Goebel's house. So he just handed it to me, but um, I can't read the name. I think it's the Langhalls, Cassie M. Langhall. Um, I could, I just can't read the writing, but um, family assigned to Kirtland Air Force Base, which is just south of Albuquerque, uh, which is where I grew oh, nice. up. Kirtland Air Force Base, I grew up knowing it was there, being on it for a Civil Air Patrol, a couple other things like that. And um, Albuquerque is a beautiful city because you have the, the Rocky Mountains on one side, the Sandias, and then you have almost you have native american reservations almost completely surrounding the city hmm. so you're in a city in the biggest city in new mexico but every direction you look you see countryside you see the desert oh, there's the mountains or the plains and so because these are the reservations so they keep people building on them but kirtland air force base was south of the city and it kept kind of kept that area not looking nice without a lot of human being built up on it so mm. anyway uh cassie etc and your family uh gave us a bunch of treats from new mexico uh, green chili Ooh, red chili from monroe's garcia's etc so uh, thank you for that that the little taste of home i'm actually driving through albuquerque this week to see some family and uh so you gave me a little foretaste of that so thank you you can throw a little blessing across to the Air Force Base. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, good call. I'll uh, I'll bless all y'all as I drive through the city. Absolutely. Um, shout out. I realized that I forgot to mention my sister Hannah in the last uh, podcast. We took this trip to Hidden Lake in Georgia, and I shouted out just about everybody who works at the camp. <laughs> <laughs> Except the person you went for. But I, yeah. Well, no. The person I went for was my sister Rose. And her fiance, Isaac, it was a great visit. Shout out to them. They're wonderful people. And then my sister, Hannah, came along and we were travel buddies. And I hadn't had the chance to travel with her before. So it was just really fun. And uh, she loves the, the podcast as well. Nice. So uh, shout out to her. And then to everybody who uh, just mentioned that they liked the show, at the wedding for uh, Ruth and John Cox now. Um, I was just up in Fort Collins and a lot of people came over and said, hey, we, we really like the show. And nice. a lot of them said they really like Father Nathan. And I never know how to take that. I'm, I'm happy on behalf of my brother and I love him dearly. I'm kind of 
like a fan of Father Nathan. So, I am too, exactly. <laughs> but there's something humbling when people come up and they say, oh, yeah. Father Nathan is so awesome. And I just say, okay, I'll communicate that to him. <laughs> I don't think you were part of the conversation, but when, when Father John approached me to come on the podcast, he didn't say, I like your personality, you'll be great on it. He said, I'm going to Rome, my crap's already in Rome, and if nobody else steps in, Goebbels no longer be on the air. And that would be a horrible and injustice oh, no, yeah. to have that man no longer sharing his his beautiful personality and humor with the rest of the world. So he says, we just need someone to be a laugh track. So I was like, I'll be <laughs> oh, <no>. laugh track. Oh. <laughs> Let's do it. That's Father John's diplomacy. <laughs> exactly. But but I've, obviously I've, I've enjoyed it. So, all right. And actually one last shout out. Um, I have a parishioner, Sam Clayman, who's a, she's always telling me how much her mom loves the podcast. You made me think of it. So, nice. so shout out to Candy Clayman, uh, Sam Clayman's wonderful mother who raised a beautiful daughter uh, for listening as well. Work, Thanks Candy. always for listening. Okay, God bless you all. Yes. Check us out on Catholic Stuff at Gmail. I don't <laughs> know. See, this part, I always get this part. Catholic wrong. Stuff Podcast at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram. I'm, I'm not Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, Twitter, and I, uh, I can't keep up with iTunes. I got a flip phone. <laughs> it's true. I'm doing most of the social media, but I enjoy it as well. So, anyway, I anyway, love you all. Thanks for listening. God bless. Mm-hmm.